You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Okay, uh, thinking like a winner. Philippians chapter number four, thinking like a winner. Uh, are you a winner? Uh, we, I, I love this. I heard this statement. I think it was just earlier today that uh, you were born again to win. You were born again to win. If you were born again, if you are born again, you are born again to win. And if you're not born again, you can win and get saved tonight. Uh, praise God. If you don't know the Lord, you can know him tonight. But I want to talk about thinking like a winner. Uh, you know, these passages and principles are pretty familiar to us around here because, I've, as I've mentioned on many occasions, this section of Philippians is a very life-changing, made a great impact on my life uh, many years ago, and I just haven't got over it. It's still helping me today, and so there are things that I go back to a lot. Uh, and so we're going to talk about thinking like a winner tonight, but we're going to start just in verse number four of chapter four of the book of Philippians. Just to kind of recap a little bit, this section, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Remember, we rejoice in the Lord. Circumstances aren't always good, we're not always good, but God is always good, so we can rejoice in the Lord. Uh, be careful for nothing. That means not to worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And uh, then he goes, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think like a winner. But I want to start just kind of uh, where we picked off last week. Picked off, I'm thinking baseball again. Picked, uh, left off last week uh, here in verse number 8 where the, or where the Bible says, I'm sorry, in verse number 7, where the Bible says, The peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And it's just another emphasis there. Number one, we emphasized how we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. That's an it's an important distinction uh, does, doesn't just say rejoice in general, but rejoice in the Lord. So that's an important distinction. Another distinction is about the peace of God. What kind of peace is it that God gives us? It's His peace. So it's not just a natural peace that we have, it's His peace. And as Jesus said, not as the world leaveth Levi unto you, uh, but I give you my peace. I leave you my peace. And it's a peace that passes understanding. And I feel like tonight, in just uh, the folks that are here tonight, that we could testify and that we could agree that the... Uh, um, train of thought there for a second. Uh, I think that we could agree uh, that there's been times in our life that we have, I, that you've experienced this peace. I feel like if you've been saved any time, some of you have had uh, battles with life-threatening diseases. There's been some of you that have gone to the doctor and you have got a, uh, the, the report being positive that yes, indeed, you do have cancer. Uh, or you, uh, you're going to lose this loved one, or, uh, or you have a disease that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life, or whatever the case may be, you've gone through really tough times, 
And man, to sit and think about, if you ever just had to imagine, wow, if I ever had to go through that, I don't know what I would do. Uh, you know, but here's the good news. You don't have to go through it alone. You know why? Because he gives you his peace. And does it not pass all understanding? How, I, mean, I mean, how many of you can just testify tonight by, by a show of hands or an amen uh, or both, or maybe both hands that probably deserves it, and uh, jumping up on her feet and shouting for a minute just to say, hallelujah, I've gone through times to where there's no way I could explain why I have the peace that I have. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. I, I, I can't explain it. And people ask you, it's like, you know, perhaps, how are you, how are you going through this? How are you keeping a good attitude? And you know, we don't look at them and say, oh, I'm just such a strong person. And we don't even really say, oh, I... That almost sounds like we're boasting there. So no, no, no. I know the Lord. Amen. God's good to me. And I know he's working in this. And praise God for that peace. But that, that goes with the mind too. Thinking like a winner... We have that peace that guards, and so uh, the peace of God that guards us. Uh, but uh, as we get into this thought of continuing on the mind, leaving off in, uh, from verse 7 into verse number 8, we see some principles here. Number one, we see the principle of a guarded thought life. A guarded thought life. Now, you know, the Bible talks about meditation. When the Bible talks about meditation, it's not the transcendental type of New Age meditation. Bible meditation, literally, the, the word is an interesting word. It actually comes from the word to chew the cud. Can you think of an animal that chews the cud? Not Ralph, all right? Uh, 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 you know, a bovine, a rabbit, and there's others that'll chew the cud. So they, they eat it and they digest it one time, but then they uh, bring it back up again, chew on it a little bit more, swallow it down again. And that's how we do with the Word of God. That's biblical meditation. Uh, spiritually speaking, we, 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 we intake the Word of God, we ingest it, but then we bring it up and we chew on it a little bit more. So I hope tonight, on the way home, I hope you keep on chewing on the things that we talk about and, uh, and, and absorb it into your system. Digest it very well, spiritually speaking. But the, the reason I mention, mention that is a guarded thought life. You know, one of the things about like transcendental meditation is, is you just leave yourself open. You just totally let your guard down and you just let, I, I remember years ago, when I was in high school, I just got this book on yoga. I don't know why, and I was doing yoga. Uh, uh, don't laugh at me, Chance. Chance is going to be beat me up now. But anyway, uh, but I was doing uh, yoga. But I, I remember reading it, and I was just trying to follow the book. And the more I got into it, and, and listen, don't misunderstand me. Uh, yoga stretches and everything, I think, are uh, just great and fine, all right? But if you get into the Eastern and the spiritual side of it, that's where you get into issues. But you can stretch without uh, being demon-possessed, <laughs> amen? Uh, depending. I wonder, I've wondered about some. But, uh, so, so, but the point is this. He started talking about opening up and, and let this energy fill me, open up to the energy and all this stuff. And basically, the reason we don't do, we, we, we need to have a guarded thought life. We don't need to have a thought life that's just leaving the door. That's, that, that'd be like, you know, living in the city and leaving our doors and windows at, open at night, all unlocked and just open, and saying, well, let's just see what we allow to come in. Uh, we wouldn't do that with our homes, and we definitely shouldn't do it with our minds. A guarded thought life. 
Uh, we need to have a guarded thought life. I, uh, you know, we, we all can have different battles because the thought life is a battle. And I, uh, you know, one of the battles that we can identify with, we all have different ones, but really they're all based in our mind. But I just thought of a, a interesting thing. How many of you battle, how many of you battle the bulge? You know, the, the battle of the bulge, try to keep weight off. And man, you, you battle. I, I, there, I heard about a fellow that was, uh, you know, trying, trying to lose weight, trying to eat better. Love donuts. And uh, on his way to work, he was, uh, he was going to drive right past the donut shop. I'm not talking about Chad here. Maybe I am. But uh, he was driving right past the donut shop. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. Lord, if there's a parking place open right up front, to me, that'll be a sign that I should stop there at the donut shop. And Ron, would you, would you believe it? Uh, he, after going around the block seven times, sure enough, there was a spot out there right in the front. Uh, and he was able to stop in and get the donut. The Lord just worked it out for him. But uh, we, we fight different uh, battles. But uh, the battle of the mind, a guarded thought life. Um, think about this, for instance. As we talk about guarded, then we'll get into these verses about thinking like a winner. When the Bible talks about the armor of God, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 17, you could turn there, it's a few, just a few pages back, but I'm going to read it to you. The Bible says, and take the helmet of salvation. What's a helmet do? It protects the head. Uh, for many years, and we know that Paul was imagining the Roman soldier and their helmet. Uh, man, and you know, one of the things I know about infantrymen is that uh, the captains, sergeants, and everything, they want to make sure, keep your helmet on. Keep your helmet on. Because, man, you, you take that helmet off and a piece of shrapnel or bullet or something like that, uh, you know, not that a bullet can't pierce a, a, a helmet perhaps, but, but the point of the matter is, is you've got some protection there if you have a helmet on. Because uh, you take one in the head and uh, you're, you're going to have a hard time coming back from that. The are, odds are not in your favor. So they wear helmets for protection. It's a very vital to protect one's head. You know, in, in, in football in recent years, there's been a real emphasis on helmets and the right kind of helmets and, 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 and having better helmets and so forth. Even in baseball, uh, they've improved helmets. Why? To protect the head. Because Now listen to me very closely, because what happens? A lot of people, after taking a shot in the head, are never the same again. Never the same again. Uh, and what I want to say about is this we need to protect our minds because I'm telling you something the devil is a headhunter the devil I mean and again I just go back to the sports world there are some of these dudes that get in trouble uh, I think Vontez Perfect is one of these guys uh, he I mean he just wants to go out there and nail somebody in the head he just wants to go helmet to helmet with somebody and knock them out and years ago in the NFL that was like I can remember when that was the thing. Go out there, and if you can lay somebody out and knock them out on the field. Well, let me tell you something. Satan is gunning for your head, and he does not play fair. He does not, he does not care about you. He has no sympathy. He has no pity, and he is aiming for your head. And yes, a headshot for any of us is just as dangerous as a physical headshot is. That's why he's going for the head. So guarding the head, the helmet of salvation. Now think about this just for a moment. A helmet of salvation. Was Paul writing to people that were saved in those verses or no? In Ephesians 6. They were saved. So the helmet of salvation doesn't mean, boy, you need to get saved so that you can get the helmet on. No, no, no. Salvation, it's not salvation in that context. Salvation means deliverance. 
So as God's people, we need deliverance. We're fighting battles, uh, and we need the helmet of salvation. We need the helmet of deliverance. We need a helmet to keep this its deliverance or its defeat. All right, so thinking like a winner. I've already said it, you were born again to win. We know the Bible says in Romans 8 that you are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. But I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. We're winners. We were born again to be winners. But I'm telling you, if we're losing, the reason we're losing is that we're taking some shots to the head. Your thought life, uh, the, the way you're thinking. So we see the warfare over in the book of 2 Corinthians, and there's so many of these verses. I, I, I want to give you a lot of this and get through it, so, so mark these down. You can try to turn quickly, uh, but please make notes if nothing else. Uh, we see the, the warfare of our foes. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing activity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so, these verses talks about the weapons of our warfare. See, thoughts that are contrary to God, the Bible says they are against the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God. So to be against, that, that literally means to rise up. It's rebellion against God. It's a fight against God. So we've got to guard our thought life. We've got to think about what we're thinking about. Uh, we can't just let our minds go. We must think about what we are thinking about. Uh, the warfare, casting down imaginations, that's images, um, and bringing, uh, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so, see, think about this. I'm this evening... And for many of us, we have some thoughts that are being held captive in Satan's citadel. We've allowed some strongholds to develop in our life. Listen to this. Many of us, you can, listen, you may, you, may be, you may have been saved for many, many years, but you carried a stronghold with you into your Christian life. Salvation does not eliminate satanic strongholds in your mind and in your thought life. Whether it was abuse, uh, you know, verbal, verbally or physically, things, lies you've believed about yourself, lies you continue to believe about yourself, even though God says you're a conqueror, even though God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, even though God says you have a purpose, even though God says you matter, but you still don't believe you matter because you were told that you don't matter. You were told that you weren't, that you were worthless. You, told that, you were told that your, your imperfections were uh, just a flaw that you'll never overcome. And, uh, and, and you believe those things, or, or else you, you have these thoughts that are captive. Satan has captive in his citadel, in the stronghold in your mind of lust and of images, of pornography, or of, uh, you know, whether you've seen it, whether you've read it, uh, whatever the case may be, and these images uh, and these thoughts are captive in that citadel. Well, listen, there's good news. Uh, that's not good news, but the good news is these citadels can be broken down. These high towers can be destroyed. And those thoughts that were captive to sin and Satan, 
those thoughts can now be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says again. It says, uh, 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 and, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So no more are my thoughts going to be held captive by Satan. No more am I going to let my mind go this way because I've said it so many times, but it's a true principle that what you think affects how you feel. How you feel affects what you do. And uh, so, so how are we going to do this? I like what the Bible says. Um, and uh, it, it, the Bible says through Christ there. Uh, the weapons of our warfare in 2 Corinthians 10 are not carnal, which just means fleshly. Uh, the Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's Romans 8, 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Peace. Does life and peace describe your Christian life? It should, because if we're spiritually minded, if we're not, here's the good news about our thoughts, folks. We're in charge. We are in charge, but it's not, we, it's not that we have the power. We have the power to release Christ and allow Him to give us the victory to give us, to, to conquer these things. It's not through our willpower or our greatness. No, why? Because they're not carnal. But they're mighty through God. God's the one who will enable you and I. And I, and I. and I can think of many strongholds that God has helped me to overcome. I still, I still have battles in my mind. You know how long I'm going to have those? Till Jesus comes, amen? But it's through Jesus. It's not that, oh man, he's figured it out. If there's anything to figure out, I'll tell you what there is to figure out. It's to figure out that it's only through him, amen? It's to figure out that I need to bring these thoughts and say, dear Lord, help me. Uh, these thoughts have got in my mind, and I need some help getting them out. Um, and uh, so, so, so anyway, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. I'm just going to read a few of these, and I got a lot to share with you, and uh, again, a lot of verses, so I'm going to try to do it quickly. I hope you will go back and meditate on them later, read them later, but Ephesians 4, verse 17, the Bible says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Emptiness, empty thoughts, the vanity. Don't walk like the other Gentiles with empty thoughts, having the understanding, and again, that speaks to the mind once again, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. But where does it all start? It starts in the fact that they're walking in the vanity, the emptiness of their minds. Verse 23 of Ephesians 4 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 27 is a powerful verse. Neither give place to the devil. It's a battle. Do not give him ground. We've got to protect. We're talking about uh, thinking like a winner. We have to guard our thought life. All right? See, because God, so Satan will challenge us. Satan will try to battle us in our minds. But, uh, but God wants to communicate with us through our minds. That's how he speaks to us. You say, well, he speaks to our heart. Same thing, same difference. I mean, uh, the, the, the mind is a part of the heart, the innermost being, the soul, our mind. Um, so God communicates us th with us through the, our, through the Spirit through our, to our minds. And so it's from the inside 
God works to our minds, but if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to be influenced from the outside in. In other words, it's like, it's again, like he said over in 2 Corinthians chapter number four, I believe it is, where the Bible says there toward the end of 2 Corinthians four, how that, uh, uh, he says, while we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, and so are you looking at the things just from the outward perspective, or are you allowing the Spirit of God to minister truth to your heart and then to your mind, and you're seeing things the way God says they're to be seen? So God communicates with us through our minds, but also God changes you through the mind. God changes you through the mind. Can anybody think of a good verse that would, uh, that, that would um, you know, proof text for that, for that statement that God changes you through your mind? How about Romans 12, 1 and 2? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove. How is this metamorphosis going to take place? It's going to take place, and you may have an ugly mind. You may have some ugly thoughts, but you can, th there can be a metamorphosis take place. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can look back in your life. Sometimes we're bad to do. We're, we're bad about that. Sometimes we think about our, we're so caught up in our current struggles, sometimes we fail to look back and say, you know what, God has brought me a long ways. I remember when I used to struggle so greatly with these things, and now that just doesn't even seem like the same person maybe. God brought me through that. What happened? There was a metamorphosis took place, amen? And that takes place. God, he communicates with us through, through the Spirit to our mind, but he also changes us through the mind. You can change the way you live by changing the way you think. But you cannot change the way you live if you, can't, if you do not change the way that you think. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the Bible says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinking like a winner, learning to think like a winner. Man, if you, if you go around telling yourself all the time you're a loser, guess what you're probably going to be, a loser. If you go around telling yourself all the time you can't, you can't, uh, my dad used to have a real theological thing he'd say. He'd say, can't never could do nothing because he never tried. And that's grammatically correct, too, from what I understand. Um, can't never could do nothing because he never tried. I can't. Uh, but listen, we, we tell ourselves these things. Uh, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why it's important. Uh, we, listen, we talk a lot about identity. There's, there's identity politics and all this stuff going on today. People want to mess with you about your identity. Uh, I mean, you know what? It's crazy. You think about, and I said, I said something about it Sunday, whether I should have or not, but I'm telling you, we don't, I don't, I'm not going to let somebody else try to tell me what my identity is. You know who's going to tell me what, who my, what my identity is? God. Amen. God, he, tell, he gives us our identity in Christ. As conquerors, as winners, as loving people that care about this world and care about uh, all men and women of this world. And uh, I mean, so, so my identity is in Christ. I'm not going to let somebody else say, oh, you said this. That must mean you're that. Man, you ain't identifying me. My God identifies me, not you, fool. 
Uh, amen. God does. All right? So, uh, our identity in Christ. Uh, this was a couple of different accreditations to this uh, quote, but I'll go with Stephen Covey because I like Stephen Covey. If you've ever read any of his books, if you haven't, I recommend them. Uh, but Stephen Covey once said, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. But it all starts with the way we think. We, what we think turns into an action. Um, and I've just got to uh, pause right here to say there's a lot to be said about these uh, thoughts. I've, uh, I've looked a lot through the years about people that have committed violent crimes and unspeakable crimes. Every one of these men had their thoughts. By the way, some of the most notorious uh, serial killers and people like that uh, and other such degenerates, uh, many of them, their, th their thoughts got, got, their minds got warped through pornography. Pornography, I mean, like, I say pornography messes up your mind, but like seriously, scientifically, pornography messes up your mind. All right? But what happened with these guys is pornography messed up their minds, and then to, to go in with it with some other abusive factors and some other key things. But here's the thing. So they thought, they started thinking about things. But there was one missing ingredient in, in almost all of these men. It, you, you look in prison today. You look in prison today, and I believe it's close to 70, 75%, if not more than that, of people that committed whatever crimes, whatever scale it's on. They thought about it. It started as a thought, it turned into an action, but there was something that helped them get past the, that, 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 pro, that natural prohibition, that, that natural thought of, I can't do that. Anybody want to guess what it is? Alcohol. Alcohol. Alcohol is what, I mean, listen, there's a reason it's called like fool's courage, right? Because it can help you. I've been thinking about doing this. You get a little liquor in you, and all of a sudden, you do it. It's time and time again. And I would say that's another story, but it's not really another story, but it's just a difference because it's a pretty broad subject. But the point of the matter is, is, is what we do starts with a thought. I don't believe that we fall into sin. We use that terminology. I don't believe that I'm going along living for Jesus on fire for God today, and then all of a sudden, something, then tomorrow I fall into sin. And you think, what happened to Pastor, man? He just fell in a big ditch. No, I've probably been heading that way. I've probably been skirting it. I've probably been thinking about it. Amen. And so, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Think about this. Think about the world we live in today. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, anybody remember that next word? Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. Folks, that is how our culture and our society is geared today to try to keep men's thoughts on evil continually. Every imagination, what images? See, the Bible says we need to uh, bring down those images, those things that pop up in our head. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so uh, every, uh, every imagination, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Think about this now. What's wrong with the world today? You know, that's been said a lot. That's a question that's been asked a lot. We kind of preached a little bit about it Sunday. How about Romans chapter 1, verse 21? This applies to the degradation of, of, of our society in the world. 
Notice this, Romans 1.21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. See, the whole problem with our society is a problem with the mind. And it, yes, it's related to the heart, but it's the mind, because you, it's hard to reach the heart if you don't reach the mind first. That's why the Bible says we need to preach the gospel. That, that means, when, when the Bible says we need to go preach the gospel to every creature, that means we need to go give them that knowledge of what Jesus did, get that into their minds, what Jesus did, so that it can affect their hearts. The problem with the, the world that we live in today is that people have become vain in their imaginations and their hearts have been darkened because they, they, they are informed in the, the vanity of the things of this world and as a result of that, it leads to them being darkened. I mean, I, I thank God for the young folks in here today, and I reckon I'm pretty old to most of y'all, but I really ain't all that old. Uh, but man, in my lifetime, I mean, it's amazing how much things have changed just in my lifetime. I mean, it blows my mind. I mean, I remember, you know, hearing statements in the Bible about them saying that there will come a time where they'll call evil good and good evil. And there were some examples of that for me as a young person, but not to the extent that it is today, not to the blatant extent of politicians, I mean, people that are high holding office and media and things like that that call evil good and good evil. It blows my mind. You know, I mean, evil people are not the ones that are killing babies. That, there's nothing wrong with that, according to this society. You know who something's wrong with? Us for daring to say that that's wrong. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, that's just an example, but there's coming a time where they'll call good uh, evil and evil good. I mean, what about us? Let me tell you something about Christianity. Again, talking about uh, the, who's going to give you your identity. You want to know something about Christianity? True Christianity is the most, is, is as I, I believe, the epitome of tolerance. Of tolerance. Why? Because Christianity loves people. Christianity loves souls. Christianity does, does not accept and excuse and encourage sin of anyone. But we love people. And we can separate that sin from the people. But I'm telling you, it's not that way in this world. The, you, you mark her down. You look at those that claim to be the most tolerant. Those that scream for tolerance today are some of the most intolerant people ever. And they call us intolerant. But I can have a conversation with these people. I can love these people. I'm not mad at these people. I'm mad at sin. I'm against sin. But you see what I'm saying? We're tolerant. Don't let anybody tell you other words. Now, the thing you've got to be careful with about Satan, by the way, is this. Talking about the mind. Uh, I heard this years ago. I thought it was great principle that what Satan likes to do, he does this a lot with false doctrine, but what he does is he likes to use the same vocabulary but a different dictionary. And the way tolerance is often defined, no, that does not fit us. Uh, and, but, but the way, the truth of what tolerance truly is does, I mean, I believe Christians are to epitomize that, but I'm just trying to say that the problem with the world is that they're vain in their imaginations, and as a result of that, their foolish hearts are dark. I want to tell you something. You're looking at a believer tonight. 
you're looking at somebody who believes. The Bible says we're supposed to hold forth the word of life, amen, and the word of light. We've got a light in this dark world. I'm glad God can still save the worst of the worst, aren't you? Amen. I mean, I am. Folks, I have not given up. Why? Because there's still power in the gospel. Let me tell you something about the Roman Empire. Let me tell you about Corinth. Let me tell you about Ephesus and some of these places. Man, you think our society's wicked. Uh, their societies were wicked, man. You look at the things that were actually perme permeating within the church at Corinth. And it was not an apostate church. He says, hey, brothers and sisters, Y'all are celebrating people committing adultery and fornication, and y'all are exalting them all over the place. You've got to knock that stuff off. They were so perverse. Uh, that, that's, that, that was their culture. Uh, so uh, this is not the first time that, that we've lived in a godless society, in a, in a society that did not want God in it. Most, our brothers and sisters, for most of time, including our time in other countries and regions, have lived to where people did not want God and the God of the Bible, amen? And people have been persecuted uh, continually since, the, since Christ uh, until now. We've just been so blessed in America to have the reprieve that we've had and to say this has not been political. I'm just going to make a, just a true statement. There's a president that has been Christian in Israel than, uh, than any in a very, very long time. Um, but I'm telling you, there's, there's a lot of pushback on that. Uh, and, and, and so anyway, that's, it's, th th that's the problem with the world. It's a mind problem. Okay, so, so God communicates with, our, uh, with us through our mind. But I want to say this quickly. God controls us through our mind. Does that worry you when you hear God control you? We need to let God control us. Amen? That's what it means to be spirit-filled, uh, under the control of the Spirit of God. That's what it means to be surrendered. God, I will let you lead me. I surrender to you. Uh, control. Uh, now, what does he say there again? This is going back to uh, 2 Corinthians, and, I, and yes, I'm getting to Philippians. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians, he said once again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we got to recognize the weakness of our flesh. We know in Ephesians, the Bible says that, uh, that we, we, we battle not with uh, flesh and blood. See, we do not war after the flesh. So not only do we not fight against flesh, but we do not use flesh to fight. See, I believe in education, but edu and education can be a tool, but education in and of itself is not going to give us the victory in the battle of our minds. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we can be educated that it's Christ that helps us, but uh, I can't remember who, who it was that says for those that, uh, you know, for, for the that they, could, they just become a clever devil, amen, because uh, it doesn't necessarily change morality. Uh, and so education is not the answer. Legislation is not the answer. I for good legislation. And by the way, one of the things that's been going on pretty much my whole lifetime is people saying you cannot legislate morality. You can't legislate morality. We cannot say what's right. But you know what they've done in exchange? What are they doing? They're legislating immorality. And that, 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 apparently that's okay. You can't legislate morality, but it's okay to legislate immorality. But legislation, in other words, making rules. 
See, rules are for the weak. I'm, I mean, now, now don't get me wrong. We need to have rules. We need to have laws. But you know, do you know when I need the law in my life? When I'm weak? When I'm walking toward the flesh? You know, Chad, when I'm sitting out there and waiting for free death, waiting for a deer, and I look over on that property where I don't have permission to hunt, and there he sits. I'll tell you what I want to do. Uh, but you know what I stop and think? I stop and think, no, 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 no. I do stop and think for a moment that would be wrong. But then I justify it and say, man, that's God's creator. God owns that, you know, and I start going down that route. God sent him my way. So it's not that it's wrong that gets me. I'll tell you what gets me. You know, what's, you know what stopped me from hunting illegally so many times? I'm talking about a lot of times because I'm just a bad person. It's not that, oh boy, I know it's wrong. I don't, I'm not going to do it. No, it's just like the first time. The first time I do it, that game warden's going to catch me. It's going to be in the papers. Uh, I'm going to ruin my testimony. And so what is it? That legislation comes in when my heart's not right. Because I'm not really caring about anything else because I'm justifying everything. You see the point that I'm making? It's just like the mom that was trying to get her son, her, her eight-year-old son to sit down. Sit down! Just stands there. I said sit down! I wonder if it's something like it's ever happened to Connor Wendell. Finally, the mom gets mad and, and comes and grabs that boy by the shoulders and, and pushes him down in that chair. I said sit down! She takes a step back and takes a breath and looks at him and he thinks for a second and he says, I'm still standing on the inside. That's what legislation does. Uh, so legislation has its place just like education, but it's not the answer. Though these are carnal tools. They're, they're not the ultimate answer. Uh, education, legislation, uh, environment. I think about this. Now we've got to be real careful uh, about what we allow to be put on our minds. We can't sit and wonder why, we're, why our thought life is messed up if we're putting junk into our eyes and our ears all the time. That's the way things get into our minds. But let me tell you something. Uh, even in a good environment, Adam and Eve had issues. <laughs> I mean, Satan come along and kind of mess that environment up, him coming into that environment. But what about when you're in church? What about when you haven't watched anything bad in a long time or listened to anything bad in a long time? This is a good environment. Anybody, anybody ever been in the middle of a service? Maybe it's when the Rochesters are here. They'll be here in a month. Mark, the, mark your calendars and be here. Uh, but maybe it's when the Rochesters are here. And man, they get to sing and God gets to moving. And, and man, you can just, the, the Spirit of God, you can just sense the Spirit of God moving in the service. And man, your heart is lifted up and, and, and maybe tears are welled up in your eye. And man, it's just such a sweet, sweet time. And you're just like, oh, praise the Lord. And then just like that, zoom, what in the world was that thought? Anybody? Probably nobody in here except for me. Um, where'd that thought come from? I'm in a good environment, and my mind just went to some terrible place. Uh, Y'all looking at me funny. Amen. I'll pray for me if you don't understand what I'm going through. But, but my, my point is environment's not the answer. The Spirit of God is the answer. Think about this. We can have higher thoughts. What's the Bible saying in Isaiah 55 verse 9? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God thinks differently than we do. But here's the good news. We can 
be given some of his thoughts. Now, that's not to say that we're going to just figure out and be, and be as God's knowing good and evil. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is God can help influence our thinking and get us on the same wavelength as he is. Uh, at least to say, I don't understand it all, but I know this is what God says, so this is the way I am doing it. Now, I'm getting down to this, to, to Philippians, to say having a winning thought life. I heard about a mental institution whose head doctor had an unconventional before he would let a mental patient out of the institution. He would have someone go into their cell, and I, I, I believe this, this may be a made-up story, but, um, but, it, but it illustrates a good point. He would have the, somebody turn on the, 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 the faucet in the sink, plug the sink, let the water run over the sink, give the inmate a mop, and say, okay, you need to mop up the water. And if the inmate didn't go over and turn the water off first and just started mopping that water as it kept spilling over the sink, they wouldn't let the inmate out. they say, well, they, or the patient, I suppose. Uh, the patient, they, they must, I think they're going to need to stay. Here's what that illustrates, though. A lot of us are mopping up constantly. Always mopping up. We're wore out mopping up. In other words, these thoughts just spilling over, these thoughts that are controlling our lives, these thoughts that are allowing us to lose, these thoughts that are causing us to fail time and time and time again. And what do we do? We come to church, which is, which is good, but we're just mopping. We read the Bible, which is good, but I'm telling you, just reading the Bible, you're still just mopping, all right? You've got to go turn the sink off. You've got to stop and say, wait a second, what am I thinking here? Let, what's the source of this? God, and so, and so in other words, what we do if we're not careful, we, we ignore our actual thoughts and we just deal with the repercussions rather than saying, okay, God, I need to stop and think here for a second. This thought is sinful. You ever do that? Lord, forgive me. This is a sinful thought. And God, I want to confess this thought to you, to you right now as sinfulness. I want you to forgive me of it, and I want you to help give me power. I want to go turn the faucet off. I've, I've got to deal. Sometimes it's, it's, it's all rooted in unforgiveness and bitterness. I've, I've got to go back, and I've got to go turn that faucet of bitterness and unforgiveness off. Otherwise, my thoughts are not going to be right. And so we've got you say, wait a minute, did you say coming to church and praying and reading the Bible don't help? I didn't say that. What I'm just saying is, those, those help us to address the source. Go to the source of the problem. Don't just be dealing with the results of the problem all the time. We need to rescue our thoughts from Satan's citadel, like I said earlier, and bring them to Christ. Uh, you ever go through a scanner at the airport? Richard just kind of twitched when I said airport. Sorry, Richard. Uh, <laughs> he's there a lot. Uh, but uh, you ever go through a scanner? What do they do? Man, they, they, they scan. And have you, ever, have you ever gone through one? And I don't know if Richard's ever done this. I imagine all his years of travel. I can remember I was, I was in Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, I was, I, I think we were in the, white, tour, tour in the White House or something. And I went through one of the metal detectors and it went off. 
pulled me to the side and they started doing the wand on me, you know. Uh, you got you got any uh, you got any metal, you got any of this in your pocket, you got blah blah blah, and they're asking you all these questions. They're just kind of really checking you out because they don't want nothing in there that would cause uh, harm to someone else, so they're really checking me out. Would you believe this? When I was in DC a few years ago, I was trying to I was talking to these Secret Service guys, um, and I was trying to get them to act like they were arresting me and let my buddy take a picture of it, but would you believe they wouldn't do it? They were in her, they, they laughed when I asked them. They thought, one, the one guy actually looked over at his partner and was like, because I had been chatting them up and we'd been talking a little bit. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But my point is, uh, there's a scanner, all right? That's how we do it with our thoughts. When there's a thought coming to your mind, you need to say, hold, hold on just a second, sir. Stand right there. Stand behind that line. Don't come any further. Hold your hands up. Lovely, isn't it? Uh, okay, I'm checking this thought out. What are you thinking? You can only think one thought at a time. Only one person can come through that scanner at a time. Only one thought can come through your mind at a time. What's this thought? I'm checking you out. We're scanning. We're looking it over. Now, is it a thought that glorify God? Is it a thought that goes into these? So we talk about a guarded thought life, and here's the guided thought life. Here's our scanner, all right? Now we'll go through, these, uh, through this verse here. In closing, I'll just say that to make you feel better. All right, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, all right, here's the scanner. Is it true? Is it true? So we need to learn to exclude that which is false and or fake. We need to make sure that what we're thinking on is true doctrine, true teaching, true news. See, knowing the truth, just like a counterfeit unit, they do not know all the counterfeits. But they know the genuine article. I mean, they know it to the most intricate detail. Because if they know the genuine article, they can identify that which is not right. And are you like that sometimes? I can't tell you what it is necessarily. See, but, see, but those, those, those agents, they can just feel a dollar sometimes. They can feel that 20. And, and Michael, and it's just like, nah, I can't tell you exactly what's wrong with this, but something's not right. You ever like that with things you think? You ought to be. There's a lot of garbage out there. There's some things that hold some truth to them. Somebody said that about the devil, you know, he said, there's enough lies, uh, there's enough truth to keep the lies together. You know, I've talked about that, I've used that illustration of strychnine before, you know, rat poisoning. Uh, and, I, and if I'm not mistaken, you can go look at it. If you go look at that decon or whatever it is, the little pallet you set out to kill mice or rats, I'm pretty sure if you look at that, go back when you see it in the store, pick it up, and I'm pretty sure it's like uh, .01 arsenic, if I'm not mistaken. That means it's like 99.9, all good. 0.1, I'm pretty sure. I should have looked it up, but I wasn't planning on saying it. Um, but it's not much. At most, it may be a whole 1%. Uh, but it's not much arsenic. Be careful. In other words, is it true? Is it true? Be careful. Uh, be careful. Check it out. Are you true? Then you're not coming in here. Um, there was a ship one time that was threading its way through a cluster of inland islands around Great Britain. When a woman aboard the ship asked the captain, she asked, do you know where all the rocks and the shoals are? They're all over the place out here in this channel. And he says, no, ma'am, he replied, but I do know where the deep water is. 
I haven't take, taken the time to study all the rocks and all the shoals, but I know where the deep water's at. And that's where I'm heading. I know where the truth is at. See, likewise, we don't need to lose ourselves down the mazes of all the isms and schisms and, uh, and so forth. We just need to know the truth. Get the truth. Amen. I mean, the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free, uh, the Lord says to us. So make sure what you're thinking is true. And by the way, uh, this stuff excludes a lot of gossip and things of that nature, doesn't it? Uh, make sure it's true. Not only that, so we see to uh, uh, exclude that which is false, but we also need to extol that which is fine. Extol that which is fine. Notice the next thing he says there. Um, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Now he says, is that not the same? That's a little different. Honest here carries the idea of honorable, respectable. Honorable and respectable. Is that thought you're thinking as that's about to try to come into your mind? Whoa, 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 wait just a second. Are you honorable? Are you respectable? Would I be okay sharing you with my family? You, this thought? Or, you know what? You're not welcome here. You're not coming in here. Or I'm just going to take you straight to Christ and you're, you're out of here, all right? Um, and so, uh, honest, it carries the idea. So, uh, it, it carries the idea of being real, all right? Now, when I talk about being real, I've got to kind of clarify what I mean by being real. Being real is transparency, not profane and crude. Being real is admitting that I have an issue, not indulging in my issue. Okay? Being real with you is to say, hey, for me as a man, it's called every man's battle, and, and I hate to throw every man in there with me, but when it comes to things of, things of the nature of lust and things of that nature, listen, I'm going to be real. Man, that's a struggle. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like the young preacher. I mean, man, you know, just, just about Michael's age, you know, mid-twenties and on fire for the Lord, but man, just bugged over the fact that he, he had this problem with lust, and, and, and he goes to this older preacher in his mid-seventies that he admired so much, and he says, brother, can you please tell me, when will I quit having these issues with lust? When will I quit having a problem with that? That old preacher said, son, I'll let you know as soon as I get there. I'll let you know when I get there. He hadn't figured it out yet because he, he, he hadn't conquered it yet. Now, when I say conquered, it doesn't mean that he just indulges in it, but it's just being honest to say that that temptation is there. Okay? So, uh, so, so honest, it carries the idea of respectable. It carries the idea of pure, of real. Um, but uh, it, it's the lack. Uh, but, oh, it, here's a good thing about something being honest, about being respectable. There's a lot of lack of discretion today that just simply panders to our base nature. Discretion seems to be lost in 2020. And I, I've known preachers that will bring things into the pulpit sometimes, almost seems like for shock value. And, and it seems like they're being real, but I would argue that they're lacking some discretion. And I would argue that the extent of their crudeness uh, crosses the line into just pandering to the base nature of their audience. Uh, now, the Bible, listen, when, when I talk about that, I'm, not I'm talking, about think talking about things in a pure and a right way. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about uh, relations, sex between a man and a woman. They really do. It talks a lot about these things. And so that can be talked about in a way that's honoring to God because guess who made that? 
God did. And I say, praise the Lord for that. Between one man and one woman for one lifetime in the, in the uh, bonds of matrimony, right? Uh, and so, but that's the way God made it. But anyway, things that are honest. In other words, verses, that which is profane and that which is crude, uh, or that which is uh, disrespectful or dishonorable. Exalt that which is fair. Again, the next thing is, think on things that are just. That means righteous. Uh, from the root, it means right. Just, right, righteous. Some things just aren't right. Amen? We need to acknowledge the wrong and, and, and think on how to, to make it right. See, if we're not careful today, we think on things that are just. We think a lot about injustice today. Now, don't misunderstand me. Where there is true injustice, it needs to be righted. Uh, it really does. So thinking on things that are just may be on how can this be made right. Uh, but the point is, sometimes we could just get so hung up on the things that are, that are not just, on injustice, that, that it's bogging us down and we're getting discouraged and so forth. Uh, okay, so, uh, so these thoughts that promote inner character are thinking on things that are true, honest, and just. Now quickly, things, thoughts that promote inner cleanliness. Unclean thoughts will wreak havoc in the Christian with me here clean thoughts young people old people not like the young ones are over here and old people are over here but i'm just all of us okay clean thoughts pure thoughts thoughts about inner cleanliness exclude that which besmirches that's for the sake of a little alliteration there's no little kids i can have fun with tonight with besmirches all right besmirch just means to uh make dirty Exclude that which uh, besmirches, that which is pure. Pure society gives free reign, or I'm sorry, a society that is uh, uh, free of purity gives free reign to pornography, perversion, and all things that are impure. Those things permeate our culture today. And I'm going I'm to be very frank with you, some of you more cultured folks. Uh, it's just like... Uh, you know, it's when they were, the years ago, they were trying to prosecute Larry Flint. And many of you will remember who this man was. He was a uh, purveyor of pornography. And they, the, 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 the state was building a really good case against Larry Flint. But there's one thing that totally ruined the case. You know what it was? Because you know what he called pornography? He called it art. This is an art form. And, when, and, 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 when, and when, when one of the experts, I can't remember the details of who it was, was sitting on that bench, and, the, and, and the, uh, the defense attorney said, I need to ask you one question. He said, what is your opinion of the, uh, the, the, the Renaissance artist? You know, some of, uh, what, what is your opinion? What is your opinion of, uh, uh, you know, and this isn't Renaissance, but what's your, what's your opinion of some of Picasso's work, some of these other works of nudity and, and all that? Do, do you, do, are you against museums having that things in there? Do, do you admire that art? And the guy said, yeah, basically he said, yes, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. I, I accept that as art. Okie dokie then. Art, art. I remember watching years ago, I was watching about uh, Vesuvius. You know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the volcano that erupted and all that. And I remember watching that. And they were talking about in, in the dining room, one of the houses, you know, some of the, the art is still re reserved in some of those places around there. Some of you have seen it. Uh, but on one of the walls right here was basically a pornographic scene painted up on the wall. And I remember watching that, and I thought to myself, 
or I listened to them as they talked, and they said, now I understand, am I really, did somebody mess with that clock? Lord have mercy, <laughs> just 20 minutes went away. Okay, uh, but basically they said this. Now I know to us that, wouldn't seem in, that would seem inappropriate, but to them it was just an art form. It may have been just an art form to them, but you know what it still was? It was still pornography. Now, you don't have to agree with me. You can be wrong. That's fine. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's pornography, all right? Uh, because what do you think they were within this day? All right. I mean, it's just uh, exclude that which be smirches, all right? Uh, it's hard to find a book or a program that doesn't defile and desensitize the mind. Be very, very aware of what you are watching, what you are reading, what you are listening to, and understand that there is a, there's, been a, there's an effort to desensitize us. Every homosexual on a show is meant to make us feel better about it and more at ease with it. Every time two people sleep together outside of wedlock is meant to make us feel more comfortable about it. Every time people are, uh, t t you know, uh, getting drunk and using drugs, it is meant to make it seem not as bad. And it might just be slipped in there. And, and all I'm saying is we just need to recognize what they're doing with that. Always have your antenna up. Always have your scanner up uh, on what you are watching to understand, at, at least understand what they're trying to do. There's a desensitizing. It's, I, I say it's hard to watch. I mean, it's cartoons are this way. There's cartoons that, 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 that the boy, and we could go back to the strychnine story, but I'm just being honest with you tonight. There's things that we'll watch. And yes, I will still watch it. It'll, it'll have, but you know what I'll do? I'll pause it right there and say, kids, you know what they're doing right here, don't you? They're trying to get this message across. We're, you know, the, 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 it's just slid in here. It doesn't affect the narrative. It doesn't affect the story. But I just want to point something out here. This is wrong. This is sinful. And they're just trying to get this in here to get us to be okay with it. I'm telling you, man, I've, I've got to stop, y'all. Lord have mercy. Have I not been preaching so long since we've been back? You can say amen. Thank you. Um, but I'm just trying to say that we need to be very keen. Folks, there's a fact that's been, there's a crazy fact out there uh, that as parents, as young people, each of us, we need to be accountable. We need to understand the extent that many stars are promoting the occult. The big, the, some of the biggest singers, uh, you know, I think one of Katy Perry's more recent videos is she's in hell uh, and, and so forth, you know, and there's, there's all these cultic and sadness views and there's, um, and it's in R&B, it's in rap, it's in rock. I remember growing up, it was just all the, the metal bands, right, and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, these people are openly associated with Satanism and the occult. Uh, and so, and it, it does come across in their music. And that's one of the reasons that, that's one of the reasons for the illicitness of it. That's one of the reasons for the fornication. That's one of the reasons for the perversion, because that is a part of the appeal of Satanism. Satanism is a pretty popular religion, because it lets you fit in and do what you want to do in this culture today. And I know I can sound, uh, however I may sound saying it, but I'm telling you, it's, 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 uh, it's on a ridiculous uh, level. We can only think 
The only way we can think pure is by excluding the impure. Impure images, lyrics have a way of lurking deep in the recesses of our minds and making it an appearance at the worst times. Do not allow it in there in the first place. If you have, uh, if you have Jesus, you can, uh, Jesus will give you victory, uh, but I'm telling you, it's a hard-fought battle once you get these images in your head. Uh, and I think some of you could agree with me there. Okay, quickly, things that are pure, things that are lovely, extol that which beautifies. That just means gracious and kind. Scripture, songs, poetry, if you like that kind of stuff, inspiring testimonies, uh, encouraging stories, uh, you know, things that, that, are, that, that, that are beautiful, that are lovely. Extol that which builds. Things that are of a good report. Good news. Good news. Tell me something good, amen. Uh, I've I've uh, I've had conversations. I, I remember I was talking to a discouraged preacher one time, and praise God, listen, we need to share one another's burdens. We really do. And so, man, he was just unloading on me, and that's good. But before we got off the phone, I said, brother, I need you to tell me one good thing. I need you to tell me one good thing because it really ain't. It can't be all bad. Tell me one good thing. And it kind of caught him off guard a little bit, but. In other words, we need to vent sometimes. We need to share our burdens with one another, but we don't need to forget what God's doing and how good it is. Amen?